If you've got your Bibles, you may, uh, probably the easiest place if you want to turn in them, if you want to have them open, would be uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Spend a little bit of time there this morning. So I told you last week, uh, <clears throat> I preached a sermon series um, a number of years ago, and I, I, I don't remember, maybe 2011 or so, um, but I didn't have my notes, and somebody sent me a link. It didn't work uh, to the to the old sermon series that I could listen to online. I didn't really want to do that, but um, in preparation for this morning's sermon, I did happen to I ran across some emails. So uh, when I when we did this when I did this series years ago in Yazoo City, I had a, I had an assistant pastor who had just graduated, just finished seminary, and um, we had worked together already for about four years. Great guy, and then we had our uh, our music minister who had also been a seminary, and so we kind of dreamt this whole thing up somewhat together. I, I I included them in the planning, and I went back and I was reading through the emails, and I realized uh, as I read through them that I didn't preach the sermon I'm going to preach this morning. I gave that sermon to the first year out of seminary guy, um, and. He was lamenting how terrible it was to have to preach on the intermediate state, right? So I read through the emails. I just couldn't help but laugh that I had uh, given. I should have given this one to Marion. But uh, it's not exactly, it's it's not, uh, as you'll see, um, it's a little bit of a challenging subject, okay? Because it deals with, um, what happens when we die? And what happens when we die isn't what happens for eternity, in a sense. Okay? There will be a lot of caveats this morning, fairly challenging. If you look back through church history, um, the, uh, the, there are um, some competing views. One you've probably heard of. How many of you all have heard of purgatory? Okay, so how many of y'all are going to purgatory? Good. All right. I've already made progress this morning, Marion. <laughs> All right. So there, there have been a number of views. You can go and if you, if you're really curious, you'll look those up. Start with purgatory. That's, that, that, that would be probably the most common. And that is, uh, purgatory for the Catholic Church was a place where you stopped in between your death and eternal life, and it was uh, a place where you could continue to atone for your sin. Um, needless to say, the uh, Protestant Church did not adopt and pick up the uh, uh, the doctrine of purgatory. Instead, we came up with the uh, with the intermediate state. So much uh, so much clearer. Anyways. Um, I hope I hope to make it clear for you this morning, or at least somewhat. So you've got some scriptures there uh, on your sheet, and you're, you'll probably need to reference some of those. Let me uh, let me just pray for us as we start. Father, you're so very good to us. Thanks for your word. As we've looked at it, we've already been encouraged by the apostles Paul, the apostle Paul's words that uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Father, give us the longing that he had uh, to know, to be certain. Um, that to die and to be with Christ, to depart and to be with Christ, is better by far. 
Father, give us the longing as well of the other saints who have gone before us, uh, the longing to know with a sure and certain hope that death is not the end. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. So titled the, se- the sermon, uh, Heaven, Here Today, Gone Tomorrow, and I... Uh, it's not a, it's not the greatest title. It's not really going to help you as we work through, but you'll, I hope you'll see in the midst of the sermon why I titled it Heaven Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. Because the heaven that we most uh, notably speak of, that place that we call heaven, is not the place you go when you die. Kinda. Um, it is the place, so when we talk of a place with no more tears, a place where, um, that, you know, where heaven and earth are together, where God is dwelling, where we are living, where we've been united with our bodies, that is, uh, heaven and the new heavens and the new earth. That, that is a, a, a location that is, uh, further beyond where you go when you die. As a Christian, now I'm not going to talk this morning. Um, we're not going to talk about hell. I'm not going to in- introduce that just yet. Um, we're talking about what happens to the believer when they die. That is really the subject this morning: the intermediate state or what happens when we die. And so here's what we're going to do. You've got an outline. We're going to talk about the what of the intermediate state, the where of the intermediate state, and the how or the why of the intermediate state. So let's talk about the what. So I recently took a trip, y'all know, uh, the 1st of September, I went to the Canadian Rockies. And in the planning of that and in talking with people about it, they would say, so now where are you going? And when they would ask that question, I had a couple of ways I could answer it. I could say, well, I'm going to Los Angeles. And then I'm going to Vancouver, and then I'm going to Calgary, and then I'm going to Banff, and then I'm going to end up at Mount Assiniboine. Really confusing, right? Um, or I could say, well, I'm going to Banff, um, because the general area where we were going to start our backpacking trip was in Banff, though it didn't end there. It ended in British Columbia at a place called Mount Assiniboine. But that would be really confusing. Like, I you know we give all those details every time I talked about where I was going. And so I typically just said, well, I'm going to Banff. And that's typically the way we describe it when we're talking about or, we're at, or someone's asking the question and, um, and we say, so what happens when we die? Or when a Christian dies, typically the way we say it is they've gone to heaven, right? And that's a general descriptive definition. We say they've gone to heaven. Really where they've gone is they've gone to Banff, okay? Not... Not literally to Banff, although it's beautiful. They've gone to the place before their final destiny, before the place where our bodies are joined with our souls and we live eternity. So that place is the place that we're calling the intermediate state. So when we ask somebody, when we say, you know, um, so if you were to die tonight, um, where would you go? Are you certain that you would go to heaven? And what we generally mean by that is, are you going to be with God? 
Are you going to be with God or are you going to be separated from God? And that's what we're asking when we ask that question. And so the Bible tells us that at our death, our souls go to be with God and our bodies go into the grave. You tracking with me? So that's why when you look at some of these passages, the passage that Marion read for us, listen to the way Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 1. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We talk about that statement. We've talked about it before. Verse 22. He says, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And then he's flummoxed. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and what? Be with Christ, which is better by far. Verse 24, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So as Paul writes that, he has in his understanding, and and listen, that's that's what we have to go on. We don't have like this definitive, you know, verse, you know, chapter 26 of the book of Luke and it's Jesus telling us all about heaven. We don't have that. And so what we do is we go to these parts and pieces where the inferences are there. And what Paul seems to be saying is I can remain in the body, right? Body and soul together, which is good for you, or I can depart this body and be with Christ, which is better by far. That was his understanding. Now, if you turn that, that page over, um, we, we've got First uh, <clears throat> uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, 9 and 10. It's the second one down. For did, for did God not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ? He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may what? Live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact you are, you are doing. So, uh, this introduces an error for us, okay? And the error is, there was a, a doctrine that's referred to as soul sleep that was taught for a long time. And basically it was you go into kind of this limbo mode where you're just asleep. Your body's asleep. You're asleep. And that comes from passages like this where Paul talks about the body, like, right? They're asleep. He says they're asleep. But, but, but from the other passages, we understand that the, the soul goes to be with God and the body lies in a sleep state awaiting the resurrection of our bodies. Are you tracking with me? And so that's where that idea comes from. But Paul is clear, the Bible seems to be clear, that no, our, our souls go to be with God. We're in his presence, the presence of God the Father and the Lamb, wherever that is, and we are there worshiping. Now, that is, I think, as you think about, you think about, you know, perhaps, um, you know, listening to people talk about this, unfortunately, Preachers feed these kinds of misconceptions at, at the most difficult times, funerals and uh, those sorts of things. We, we, we're not always clear. Typically, we don't have the time to be clear. That's part of the problem. Um, 
And, uh, and so this is where you get the ideas of, right, disembodied spirits floating around playing harps on clouds, people becoming angels. You know, those difficult times, those are not the times to try to go through, you know, ten-point sermons and dispel myths about what happens to us when we die. That's why we're talking about it now. But, but the challenge is, right, un- this understanding that our soul and our body are separated from each other for a period. And what is going on with that soul? What is happening there? Well, we don't fully, totally know. I think we have some, some pictures, but we're, we're not completely and totally clear. And so we are then at that point waiting for the second coming of Christ. At the second coming of Christ, the Bible talks about the consummation of all things. Heaven and earth are reintroduced as, you know, the perfect creation. There is a new heavens and a new earth which are joined together. We'll talk about that here a, a little bit more in just a minute. But the point is this first part, the what. The what is, at our death, as we are in Christ, our souls go to be with God. Now, the question, and you know, Jesus supported that when he told the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. Paul helps us out in Philippians chapter 1. The question now probably moves in your mind is this. Where is that? Where is that to go and be with God? I don't know. The Bible really doesn't give us a where. It it doesn't give us a location. It doesn't tell us necessarily the quality of that location. What is that location like? Is that where the streets are gold? Is that where there's a, you know, a foundation or, you know, seven stones? Is that, is that what that is? And, and honestly, we don't really know. We don't really know where that location is, except that we know this about it. And this is the most important part. It is with God the Father, and it is with God the Son, the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. See, that's the central locus for the people of God, is the relationship with God. And so we know that it's somewhere because we know that Stephen, as he was being stoned, looked into what? Heaven. Heaven was open for him, and he had the vision, he had a glimpse of of the Son, of Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And so we know that this is some sort of a location. We, we just don't know where it is or what it is. It also seems that John was able to look into that heavenly throne room in the book of Revelation. He saw something of what the present heaven is like now. And, and it seems an entirely possible um, that, that whatever that heaven is now, it contains what Revelation talks about as the new Jerusalem. That heavenly abode where God the Father and God the Son and God the Lamb are all present and they're all there and they're all together because that comes down out of heaven later in the book. Now, this is where I want to take you to Hebrews 
chapter uh, 12. So if you take your sheet, you'll see it's the last one on the back, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. Because that seems to be, okay, so we're talking about the where, and what seems to be is the vision of the where is what the writer of Hebrews gives us in Hebrews 12, 22 to 23. Listen to what he says. So in the previous verses, he's talking about Moses, and Moses has led the people, and they've gone to Mount Sinai, and Mount Sinai is burning with fire and sulfur, and there's earthquakes, and so he's giving to us the terrible nature of what Mount Sinai is, and then he says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, he says, but you, okay, now, who's the you? The you is the saints that he's writing to, the believers that he's writing to are still living. He says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You, now stop right there. Now that sounds really odd, right? You living, you have come to the, to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. What does that sound like to you? Sounds like heaven. I mean, if we were going to start describing it, it sounds a little bit like, okay, so the city of the living God, uh, Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, well, that sounds like heaven. Exactly. The writer of Hebrews, is, he is saying to believers, listen, when you gather in assembly, Okay? When you're assembled together, that's what the church is, the assembly of God's people. And so what he's saying is when you assemble together, when you do what we're doing this morning, this is why for the Christian church, for eons and eons, worship has been, worship, the corporate worship, the gathering together of the saints is the pinnacle moment for the church. Because when we gather together, God has promised, this is not Matthew 18 where two or three are gathered. Yes, that's true. But look, the hunting stand with you and your buddy is not the same as the saints gathered in joyful assembly worshiping God. And what God is saying is something special happens when my people do this. When they gather together for the purpose of praise and worship of the Lamb. When they gather together for this purpose, what he is saying is, when we do this, we come into the presence of Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Because look at what he said. You have come to thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits, of the righteous made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that, spring, that uh, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. If you read that, that passage and you understand what he's saying, you haven't come, look, here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, that mountain that Moses led Israel to is nothing in comparison to where you and I Join together every Lord's Day. Because when we join together, we are joining the heavenly host that is already gathered. Who is that heavenly host? Well, if you turn back a chapter, he says, you're running a race. And who is watching? The saints who have gone before you. 
They are there and they are watching. They are applauding your race. They, they are, in, a, in essence, observing as you run the race. And then he says, and we join them. We join them as we worship in heaven. So they're in heaven worshiping. Now, do you see where some of the ideas begin to come from? The idea is that heaven is just going to be a place where we get issued a harp or a trumpet. If you're a trumpet player, where's Harold? A trombone. Is it a trombone? Trombone, sorry. All right. We don't have any trumpet players. No trumpet players, right? I don't think there's going to be any trumpets in heaven. All right. Um, only really good trumpet players, angel, angelic trumpet players. But, but what he's saying is, listen, that place right now is in full worship mode. And I think that what happens is, because that is the place now where we're joining them, and they're worshiping God, and so everybody just says, well, heaven's just a place where we're just going to go sing long and loud for a long time. This thing is really bugging me this morning. Well, we're going to go, and we're just going to sing, and be, and we're going to play a harp, and we're going to float around on clouds and be a part of the heaven choir forever and ever and ever. Except that, that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that right now, yes, that heavenly host is gathered and they're worshiping and those who have gone before us, who have been made perfect, are in worship and we join them worshiping the Lamb. But in the end, there's Mount Assiniboine. That's just Banff. Is it glorious? Absolutely. Is it our final destination? No. Because the final destination is the new heavens and the new earth. More on that to come. Let's talk about the how and the why. I, I told our Sunday school class this morning, this, there, there are more, there are more details. Some of those details you're curious about, those are coming. This morning's like 50,000 foot view. So let's talk about the how and the why. The how and the why of, here would be my question. So when I'm thinking about heaven, and I'm thinking about what we're talking about this morning is the intermediate state, here's the question I have, and maybe you have it. Why are all this coming and going? Why doesn't, why isn't it just, we die? And he takes us in our bodies, if that's what he wants to do, and we all go to heaven, and we're in heaven. Why this, our souls depart, and they're with God, and we're worshiping, and then our bodies are in the ground, and they'll be joined together with our soul at the, at the second coming of Jesus, and then the new heavens and the new earth will come down, or this heaven will be burnt up, and I mean, this earth will be burnt up, and a new earth given to it, and you know, whatever, however you interpret that, there's a new heavens and a new earth, but we're waiting for that. Why all this coming and going? And you know what? There's actually a really good answer for why all the coming and going and why isn't it just now. And, and let's just trace it, okay? When God created us, he created us in the what? The garden. Right? He put us in the garden. 
He made us in the garden with all creation on this earth. So he made the earth and it was good. And he made the animals and they were good. And he made the seas and it was good. And the clouds and it was good. He made all of this stuff and it was good. And then as the capstone of creation, he made man. And he breathed into man and he said, it is very good. And so he made all of this. And he made it very good. And then what we find is that he gave Adam a job. So all that work we all complain about, he made us to work. He created us to be his vice regents. Okay? And so we were to rule over his creation. That's what the book of Genesis tells us at the very beginning. But in our fall, that relationship with God was severed. And so... We chose, Adam and Eve chose, and they chose for themselves, and by virtue of being our first parents, in covenant with God, they represented all of us. And so all humanity fell in them. That's what the Bible teaches. So we have now this separation. And all throughout the Bible, which is the story of God remaking that relationship. What do we see? Well, we see God coming to be with his people in different ways. Sometimes he appears to them, very rarely. Sometimes in the form of an angel, we will have God appearing to his people. But what does he choose? Well, what he chooses to do primarily is, initially, he sets up the tent of meeting. And the tent of meeting morphs then into the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. And he gives them himself. So he recreates a people from Abraham, and he has this people that are living. And where are they living? In a land that he gave to them. Okay, And so they begin to settle and live and grow in this land, this place. And, And God's presence with them is at the center of it all. Okay, so the story, really, the entire story of Scripture is the story of God pursuing a relationship with man. And so we have the tabernacle. And if you go and you look at the tabernacle, what is it? Well, it's a miniature heaven on earth. It's designed so that it looks and feels as if you were looking into the heavenly regions. It was heaven on earth. It was God's dwelling place. And as sectioned off a special spot for God. And that special spot, the high priest goes into once a year and he carries the blood of, of, of goats and bulls to make atonement for himself and his family and for all the people. Because God has this relationship with his people, see? That's what the story is all about. And then, of course, they move into the the land and they have possession of the land. And what does the tabernacle then become? A more permanent location. And what is that location? The temple. Right? First it's a big temple, then it's a rebuilt temple. And then Jesus comes and John tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, that the word was made flesh. And what did he do? Your translation says, probably, he dwelt among us. The actual word is, he tabernacled among us. Tabernacle. Ah, 
dwelling. Jesus dwelling with us, right? God with us. God's presence with us now in the form of a person. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, this temple is going to be destroyed and rebuilt in how many days? Three. John chapter 2, verse 12. And in John 20, it says the disciples suddenly got it. Ah, He's talking about himself. God with us. See, that motif of a king of David and Solomon and the temple and God's presence with us all converges into the person of Jesus Christ. But there's more. Jesus' death and resurrection, he ascends into heaven. And what does he say he's going to leave with us? His Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? Peter tells us that we are like living stones being built together to be what? The dwelling place of God. And so you and I, the church, are the dwelling place of God for the world around us. There's no one location. It's not Jerusalem with the temple, so everybody has to pilgrimage in and to celebrate the Passover, right? God's salvation of his people. That's not what's happening. What's happening is you and I are to the world representative of God the Father. He has made his dwelling in us now. Is that the end of the story? No. Let's listen to the end of the story. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. And we're almost done. I told you, 50,000 foot, right? We just traversed the entire Bible. Now we're going to seal it off in Revelation 21. But listen to the, listen to the language of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, what? Coming down out of heaven from God, Okay, mixing metaphors, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, what? Read it. The dwelling place of God is with who? Man. The dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will what? Be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more, and neither neither shall there be mourning, crying, pain, for the former things have all passed away. That's the end of the story. That is what you and I are longing for. That is that is the heaven that you and I speak of. The intermediate state is Banff. It's good. It's beautiful. It'll be glorious because we'll be with God the Father. But what you and I ultimately are waiting for, because He created us for this, is to be in the body with our soul 
worshiping the Lamb and enjoying all creation. This isn't it. This isn't the end. It's not the end of this earth. Whatever, whatever is coming beyond this. How many of y'all love to travel? I love to travel. I love to go see and do and experience and hike and I eat and do all of that. And, and, and you know what? I think the promise of Scripture is you are going to get to do that, only it's going to be better. Because the new heavens and the new earth will be that place that He originally designed for us where we will rule and reign over creation as He intended it, with Him at the center of it all. And all of those terrible things that result in crying and pain and mourning and suffering, John tells us, will all be done away with because creation and the Creator will be together again. And so that kind of answers the question. How come, it, how come we don't just go to heaven now? And the reason is because He's not finished with all of this. He's not finished bringing in the redeemed. He's not finished bringing in His own. And once He brings them all in, once that full number is accounted for, whom Jesus paid for, then the consummation of all things will happen. And the new heavens and the new earth will appear. And God's people and their God will be together at long last. And all God's people said, Amen. Let me pray. Father, You're good to us. Just a glimpse. Just a glimpse for us to look into heaven and to see and to know that what You've prepared for us is indeed glorious. And Father, it begins at the moment of death and carries on into the new creation. And so we pray, Father, for us to have the hope of the Apostle Paul, for us to have the hope of the saints that have gone before us. It's challenging for us. It unnerves us. Father, we want to act strong sometimes. We want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything we read in Scripture is true, and yet there are lingering doubts for us. And so we would just offer those to you. We confess them this morning. But we would pray, Father, continue what you've begun in us as you build us up and as you prepare us for an eternity with you. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.